are working our way through subjects in the book of Proverbs. Tonight we're going to look at the heart. In fact, this Sunday night, I was going to say next, not next, the one after, we'll be, uh, we'll be looking at the book of Proverbs and what it says about the heart. I suppose if you were just to take the number of references in terms of counting up the words, this might be the most dealt with subject throughout the book of Proverbs. Rarely, though, is the heart in the book of Proverbs the the physical organ in your chest that pumps blood to the rest of the body. By heart, biblical writers... Old and New Testament, they're, they're talking about the, the inner you, the you inside from which the outside of your life takes shape, the place of your thoughts. More than that, though, the place of your affections, the place of your priorities. The place where your decisions, the map of your life, starts to take shape. That the real you comes from the inside out, not the outside in. Of course, no one else sees this part of a person. But God does. You can't examine this kind of heart in any medical center... And yet, and yet the Bible says it is the most important part of your whole being as created by Father God. The most important part of your whole being. If everything else about you is perfect, except for your heart, then the whole life, outwardly, inwardly, will start to corrode. Um, start to deteriorate, start to rot, start to fall apart. And on the flip side, uh, the circumstances of your life might be trying, they might be difficult, but if, but if you keep your heart, if the heart is kept pure, if the heart is kept grounded in God's will and way, we'll look at that later on tonight, then nothing else will be able to steal God's blessing from your life. Circumstances don't define life. The godly heart is the control center of everything else about you. And so the Bible will talk about integrity of heart, purity of heart, uprightness in heart. All expressions of exactly the same thing. Here's what Here's what the book of Proverbs has to say about the good life and the godly heart. One, if you will concentrate on being right in your heart, you will automatically be right in all the rest of your life. I get that from Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. From it 
flow the springs of life. Rainy and I were in uh, Los Angeles at uh, the beginning of November, and of course, they're in the middle of just a terrible drought. But the drought doesn't surprise them because far earlier than when the drought began to manifest itself in, you know, watering restrictions and the drying up of, of rivers and, and reservoirs, far before that, everyone knew the drought was coming because they went up into the, in the mountains, high up in the mountains, all around the Fernando Valley, and the snow reserves were gone. Because all the rest of the water that flows there comes from those reserves. In other words, that's the source. That's the source from which all the other moisture flows and gathers. They don't get tons of rainfall down in the desert areas, but they do get the runoff from those reserves up in the mountains. And so that's the way the writer talks about the heart. There's all sorts of things that people look at and just see the outside of the life. And how did this crumble? And how did that get like that? Why is this life that used to be green and verdant and giving life and it's, it's all drying up? What happened? And a wise person will look back and say, it's the heart. It's the heart. That's where everything else comes from. That's the place from which everything else flows. Everything else gets nourished from the heart. Quality of life is established on the inside. Life can never be better on the outside than it is in the heart. The heart is the controlling factor. Keep your heart with all vigilance. The old King James, diligence. Same idea. Why? Well, because that's where the rest of your life gets formed. That's where everything else comes from. That's why suicide is the leading cause of death among teenagers in North America. We have more freedom, more financial prosperity, more capacity to do whatever we want than any other place on planet Earth. And yet even young people find out too late that you can't live life from the outside in. You have to live from the inside out. The externals can't satisfy because God never meant them to satisfy. Keep your heart. God meant life to be lived from the heart outward. That's why marriages fall apart faster today than they ever have before, even in the church. There's never been a day when we have more expertise at our disposal, more counselors, more books, more conferences, more seminars to save marriages. Couples today have more outside help for their problems than at any other time in history. But you can't save a marriage just with outside help. Life comes from the heart. Life has to be lived from the inside out. And this text in Proverbs, keep your heart with all vigilance for out of it flow the issues of life. It might be the greatest text of all. Nothing can ultimately go right if that principle is ignored and nothing can ultimately destroy you if it is applied. It really is the key. It's the key to everything. 
want to tell you why that truth uh, is so hard to fix in terms of our application to life. It's easy to know that the heart, keep your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flow the issues of life. It's the kind of verse that if we just said it two or three times with the reference, we'd have it memorized tonight, everybody in the room. But it's very hard to do, and I'll tell you why. It's hard to do because you and I live in a world, you and I live in a world where all the external pressures that get applied to our lives are geared to the outside of our lives, not the inside of our lives. Just think about it. Fashion. Diets. Go figure. The two biggest selling books, year after year after year, cookbooks and diet books. Does that make sense to you? Fashion. Diets. Success. Recreation. Education. Friends, friends who we want to impress, we want to please, and they don't see our hearts, they, they see the outside of our lives, the circumstances of our lives. There are just, there's this endless stream of pressure brought to bear on the externals. And there's almost, in this world, no pressure whatsoever to keep the heart. And so if you can deceive your way to success without anybody else finding out, there's no reason not to do so. Even though you're not keeping your heart, no one else is going to know that. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's very little pressure in this world geared to keeping the heart. And so it's very, very hard. It's very hard for the Christian person to to summon the capacity to think from the inside out. To, to, be, to be patient and gracious and forgiving when anger and vengeance are, are viewed as sticking up for your rights. How will we do it? How will we shift attention from the outside of our lives to what God says is, is the the spring, the source of everything, the heart of everything. How will we do it? Point number two. The law of God is what sets the heart in order. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your Sight. Notice, notice the, the way it's tied to the senses. Incline your ear. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Do everything you can think of to, to get God's words, God's will, God's way into your ears, into your eyes, into your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. There's 
preciousness in these verses. They describe a problem we all have, and then they describe a solution that we can profit from. The problem, A, is our tendency to either ignore or forget the law of God. When you look at these verses, they really aren't addressed. Think about it. They aren't addressed to the person who has no exposure to God's word. There is a person who, like most of us, has, has a certain respect. He hears, he sees, he reads, he listens. He or she would probably acknowledge the Bible as being God's word, worthy of intake into our lives. But for all of that, he still has to be pressed. You read it, you hear it, get it into your heart. Make sure it reaches the, the part of your life that makes the choices, the part of your life that, that fixes on what it will prize, what it will value, what it will worship, the part of your life that decides what's important and what isn't important, the part of your life that decides what will I pursue, what will I not pursue, what will I give my time to when I'm not in church, what will I not be able to give my time to because it's not as essential. That's the place, the heart, where God's Word has to bubble up, boil come to life, radiate, heat up everything about your life. The solution, so the problem is our tendency to know more than we apply. Our tendency to, to um, even in your devotional times, I've, I've often said, I can't tell you the number of times I've said to people, when you're reading your Bible, wherever you are in whatever Bible reading program, the big thing isn't just keeping up with the program. When you're, when you're reading and all of a sudden something, we would say, just jumps out at you. And we might think, well, that's just coincidence or whatever. But you're reading and, and something... Um, goes in through your eyes or if you're listening audibly or whatever and it gets to your heart and it and it seems to have sprouts on it there's life there then then stop right there you don't have to finish the passage stop and 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 let the word of truth start to affect your heart that's the part of you the word has to reach let it affect your heart. Let it, let it make some change. Let it affect your thinking. Meditate on it. Pause over it. This is the solution. I'm jumping ahead of myself in B. The person must start right where he is, right at this moment, to give attention to the Word. He must start right where he is and right at this very moment to... Incline his ear. Bend the ear that way. Instead of coming and going from God's word to the rest of life, he has to... You, you. The difference between just reading and going, reading and going, is reading and carrying the word with you into the things that you do. Bringing it with you. You discover quickly, and this is why people, this is why people will start into a devotional life the beginning of every year under the category of a resolution and quit by the time March comes. 
It's because the word has no power at the edge of the life. It only grows in the heart. God's word only grows in your heart. Memorize it. There are forces that make this choice more difficult than it sounds. The devil wants to keep the word from reaching your heart. He really doesn't mind you reading it, but he doesn't want it to reach your heart. Sometimes pride will keep God's word from growing in the heart. If you're too stubborn stubbornly bent on having your own way, if you've, you don't say it out loud, but you're committed to a course of action, there's nothing that the Bible says that, that will challenge your affection for your sin in that area. And, and, and if you're committed, if you're committed to something that isn't right and you're justifying it and you will justify it no matter what God says, then the word will never reach your heart. It will never bear fruit. Sometimes, this typically is more a problem if you're here and you're under 35. There are many, many people in the church who are too influenced by their friends to listen to God's word and have it grow in their heart. They will cooperate with the word up to the point where it may cost them popularity, where it might cost them friends, where where letting the word grow in the heart might threaten you with the fear of loneliness from your peers. Some people are too in love with success and power and wealth to let the word really take root in their hearts. And, dare I say it, we studied laziness in this series. There are some people that are just too lazy to make time to get God's word into their life. They'll get up early for all sorts of things, but not to open up the word and read and study and meditate and pray. And for all these reasons, the process of enthroning God's word in your heart is simple. It's not hard to understand, but it's costly. No one will do it without paying a price in some area. But... Point number one, life is shaped by the heart. Keep it. The process is getting God's word, not just something you read and hear, getting it rooted and anchored in your heart. That process is not hard to understand, but it's always costly. It's always costly, and there is no other way to have a a spring of life in your heart. So first, the heart is the source of the quality of life. And second... The heart is set in proper order when it's ruled by the word of God. And now the third point. For the word of God to rule the heart, knowing its content, isn't enough. 23.12 says, apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. Now Now you see something different. The passage about guarding your heart, keeping your heart, this is different. This is about applying your heart, what you do with your heart. So you notice how the ears and the heart are both mentioned in the verse. The ears are for gaining knowledge. 
The heart must be applied to, to discipline, to instruction, to carrying out what's taken in through the senses. So knowledge by itself won't have the effect that God desires on your heart. I have a friend who has had some heart problems, and he went to the hospital where they wired him up, and they looked at the inside of his heart, and this gave the doctors knowledge of the condition of his heart. But just that knowledge doesn't fix the heart. Just finding out that this is blocked, or that's blocked, or this isn't right. There, we've, we've, we've seen, we've got the information. But the information, by itself, doesn't fix the heart. Sometimes surgery is needed, sometimes a diet has to be changed, sometimes medication is the remedy. But just the knowledge of the condition won't help anybody. This is how God's Word works in our lives. It shows us what our true problems are. It shows us what's wrong with our hearts And without the truth of God's Word, we'll constantly misdiagnose our troubles. Usually we'll see our troubles coming from our circumstances, other people, people not understanding us, the church is full of hypocrites, and blah, 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 blah. There! We will always misdiagnose our true situation. Here's how the New Testament describes this same the same problem and the same remedy. In James, we just did the book of James, right? Right through. But James 1, to 25. Be doers of the word. And when James says be doers of the word, he's saying exactly what the writer of Proverbs says when he said apply your heart to instruction. Same thing. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, Deceiving yourselves. So, so there's a way in which we can, we can deceive ourselves by thinking something is happening in our hearts when it really isn't. You, you can go to church without anything happening to your heart. You can preach a sermon and have the information without anything happening in your own heart. Don't deceive yourself about this. If anyone is a hearer of the word not a doer, well, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face. So now he says natural face because he wants us to understand he's talking about the physical person now in an illustration. And he's looking at it in a mirror. He looks at himself, goes away, and at once forget what he was like. That's the illustration. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, now he's not talking about a mirror anymore, he's talking about this. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and, and perseveres, this process, this process takes time, being no hearer who forgets, that's what happens to hearers, they forget, but a doer who acts, He'll be blessed in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. The insanity of that illustration is pretty obvious, isn't it? What's the point? You get up in the morning, you crawl over to the mirror, you look into it, and you, and you do nothing. I mean, fixing, fixing this face 
staring at you from the mirror. That's the whole point. The mirror won't shave your face. The mirror won't fix your hair. The mirror won't put on your makeup. You use the mirror to do those things. In the Word of God, you use the Word of God. You apply your heart to wisdom. And as you do the Word, you find out that you remember it. You find out that it starts changing you. You find yourself starting to delight in it. However ridiculous the man in the mirror illustration is, James says he's no more ridiculous than the person who thinks that just by reading the appointed passage, going to church, or having Christian parents, if you think by that you're going to get a godly heart, from which spring all the issues of life, if you think that's going to give you a godly heart, it won't. It won't. Only applied truth has transforming power. Point number four, we're almost done. If all of this seems like a lot of work, it is. But it's also the only road to a truly joyful life. Here's a passage about the heart. 1722, a joyful heart, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. This is not a verse talking about human emotions, like a happy person, I've heard it preached that way, like a happy person, well that's just, you just, it's just nicer in life, and if you're a depressed person or you're a sad person Oh, man, it's just, it's just you feel like you're drying up on the inside. So be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. That's not what this is about. This is about, this is about, and there's a profound insight here. This is about someone who diligently, against all, sometimes against against the immediate um, instincts of the heart. Here's a person that, that is willing to put his own desires on a leash and pull them in and say, here's what the Word says, and I need to fix this in my heart by applying it to my life. And there is, and there is nothing at that point of that decision, there is nothing but labor. There is nothing but self-denial. There is nothing but the reining in of your own reflexes in terms of what you think would secure your life, what you think would make you happy, what you think would help you to get ahead, what you think would would fix your life in this world. You've got all these thoughts, all these ideas, and yet somehow you come to the Word and it speaks, and it speaks to your heart, and you apply it to your heart and you say, I trust this rather than I trust this, and I I will apply God's Word to my heart. And there's nothing that you feel at that moment except self-denial. But something happens. As you persevere in it, the guy in the mirror, persevere. As you persevere in that, you make a habit. You make a habit of growing God's word in your 
inner self more than you cultivate the habit of listening to your own desires. And as you cultivate the habit of planting the Word of God in your heart instead of your own instincts, even though it's hard at the moment, it's like taking medicine that tastes terrible. And before long, you find yourself feeling better. And you find out God, God is starting to do more with that word than you ever thought he could because like anything, Jesus said it's like seed. Remember the seed is the word? Like any seed that gets planted, it seems small at the beginning. This is the reason, this isn't in your notes, this is the reason a lot of people never are quick enough to apply God's word in their heart in little decisions because they don't see how obeying God in little decisions can have huge consequences in, in, in a pure heart, in joy, in satisfaction in a totally different outlook on life, that you never thought these little godly choices could ever amount to that. But they do. I may have been in church, the end of some service, some minister was trying to get people to the altar and had everybody singing, All to Jesus I surrender. And as people listened, they thought, Gee, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Okay, Pastor Don, I get it. You don't have to sing four verses. Here I am. I surrender all. Usually that doesn't work. I'm just going to say it to you right now. Usually it doesn't work. Do you know why? Because there's not a one of us who is ever capable of giving all of our life to Jesus in one decision. Think of your life as a, uh, think of your life as a $100 bill. And the way you give your life to Jesus is an a nickel at a time, in a whole bunch of little choices that don't look like they're all that significant. And you forgive this person, and you apologize to that person, and you turn off that TV program, and you get off that internet site, and you start going to Bible study, and you start tithing, and you share your faith a little bit with somebody at work, and there's not one of those things that looks all that life-changing. Am I right? Not one of those things looks like it's all that life-changing. And you're giving the $100, you're giving it to God five cents at a time. And here's what happens. All of those decisions grow in your heart and start to form a heart that will be joyful in doing the will of God. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it, you know what comes out of it? The whole of your life comes out of what you do with that part of your heart that no one else sees, no one else can force you to, to listen to the Lord, and the only one who's ever going to know will be you and the Holy Spirit. And no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. If you're here, my heart goes out to you. If you're here and you're like in the under 30 crowd, you, got a, you, have, you have usually, no one knows for sure, you got a big chunk of your life ahead of you. You got a big chunk of your life ahead of you. And if you want it to be a good life, do get your education, do get everything else you're getting. But just remember, here's what's going to determine the quality of the rest of your life. Keep your heart. Don't let anybody rob you of a godly heart.
That's where the issues of life come from. Everyone set? Let's pray.